This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. We- and then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Oh, so who is this? Where this is Tony Terry. One of those things we would just, I don't know, one day it was on the radio and it just, it just made sense. Welcome to Y-Tunes Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your host, comedian and radio personality, Maggie Mayfield, and Hollywood's secret weapon, David Earl Waterman. This is Y-Tunes Shuffle. Likes is improvisation. It mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. it is. And uh, that's how we like it. This is a show called Y-Tune Shuffle. I'm Maggie Mayfield, your host, with my co-host, David Earl Waterman, a.k.a. Hollywood Secret Weapon! Keep it under your breath. <laughs> oh. Wait, no, keep it under your... How do you... How do, what's the secret? How do you say something like that? If you, keep don't, hold your, don't hold your breath? Keep your... <sighs> I, I feel like... Zip your lips. I feel like the Republicans, when they're trying to do that, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. See, I screwed that one up, too. I don't know. Anyway. Everything we hear on the internet is a lie. Let's tune out. <laughs> and I'm so excited. Our guest today, Kadison Kai, you are a longtime musician, singer, songwriter. You're trained in opera, but you're a rock singer. You have a book that just came out called Memoirs of a Backup Diva, and then an album as well called The Healing. And uh, I'm just bowing down to everything that you are you have just this amazing like presence and light about you too like i saw you across the street talking to david and i was like oh my god it's a superstar oh stop no i did no kidding stop. No, yeah stop. you're, you're dressed like, like a superstar bling down oh, black. <laughs> <laughs> so like welcome a, well thank you it's great to be here thanks for having me you have done so much on probably so little sleep, as you were just explaining. Yeah, three hours is a little rough way to go this morning, but I'm all good. I got mm. my coffee right here. Yeah. I'm ready. Well, I'm thank ready. you. So what does a typical day look like for someone who writes and sings for a living? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> typical. A typical day. Hmm. Well, for me, I, st- I do start with meditation. And I set my intention for today. And thank you, Oprah Winfrey, for the what's the right thing to do today, because I have to say that is what I say. What is the right thing to do today? And what? And then I leave it alone. And then I walk away from it, and I don't try to figure it out. And I actually don't plan anything. And then whatever happens as the day goes, the first thing that comes in my mind I just follow suit. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's really, really cool. You don't answer it when you ask it. You just put it there. And then yeah. it's, oh, that's amazing. I, I learned that the hard way, I have to say, uh, which is part of the story in, in, in the book. This discusses uh, not only how I got started in the business, but how I am restarting in this new music business that has happened. When things, you know, when you want to try to get work moving back to Los Angeles after having been a college professor for a period of time at Berkeley in Boston. Uh, Boston? Yeah, I was I in I lived in Boston, Boston for seven years. Ain't it the years? best place oh, on the planet? it's one of the wonderful places. I love I love. <laughs> I lived Boston. in Cambridge, right? I Pearl lived Street, in Cambridge. Pearl Street, right near the Middle East Cafe. I know, yes. Middle East. Oh. oh, near Central Square. Can I just remind the audience? Yeah. Hollywood secret yeah. weapon strikes again. <laughs> I can drop a name. Yes. Cadison <laughs> Kai is a neighbor of mine in beautiful Central Square, Massachusetts. Oh, Berkeley. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I did that. And then after. At the College of Music, I'm guessing. Berkeley College mm-hmm. of Music. Yeah. yeah all, basically for 10 years, like not consecutively, but like five years here two two years that I well got married and divorced and then went back for five more years yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway um and you did that after you got off the road with after I got off the road with oh God uh, who was the last per- I think Shock Shaka might have been the last person Shaka Khan that but I started with her she was the second person I was on the road with I started out with. Really started out with a guy named Tom Brown who had a record out called Funkin' for Jamaica. Jamaica Funk, that's what it is. I mean, it's old. And then I did Anita (laughs) Baker, Natalie Cole, 
Natalie Cole. Uh, then I did Shaka. Mm-hmm. Then I did Elton John for a period of time, for maybe six years. And then uh, I did Jeffrey Osborne. Mm-hmm. And then I did a few dates with Beck. But uh, wow. I had to turn that tour down because I had a little one. And, and, and oh. I had made up my mind at that point. I really didn't want to go on the road anymore. Yeah. And so I had turned Why? that down. Why? Why not the road anymore? I wanted to be, I was a single parent and I wanted to be an at-home mom. I wanted mm-hmm. to be available. And also I had been on the road for so long, just about every year since I had graduated undergrad. And uh, I wanted to have some music to show for myself. I had recorded some of my own things and done some things for myself as a solo artist, but I never really pushed them. And if anyone's out there who's a musician or singer uh, knows that when you're on the road with people, I know they like to say, oh, I'm going to record in the hotel room or I'm going to be pulling, doing my stuff on the side. I'm making all this money, backing up so-and-so, so I'm going to do this. You never have time to really put mm. the energy and effort that it takes to really get it out there and get it pushing and make money. You just don't have the time to do it unless you're not on the road. So yeah. what season of American Idol did you win to have yeah. all the success? <laughs> you know, because that's what a lot of people think is that you got to win on American Idol and all of a sudden you're a professional working musician. Your story is the real work. You say undergraduate. Where did you go to college? I went to Howard University. Howard University. D.C. In D.C., okay. Yeah, then I... Studying music? Studying music. My degree is in voice, applied mm-hmm. music voice. I was a uh, voice major. And then I did go to graduate school for like a semester here, a semester there. I went to the Eastman School of Music for a master's in voice, which, you know, I decided, what are you going to do with a master's degree mm-hmm. in voice unless you're just going to teach? Don't you want to sing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I decided to not do Then I would got scared and did a um, something to fall back on thing. I went to NYU and worked on a master's in arts administration and I finished out the semester and then I had a friend tell me, I'm in LA, what the hell are you doing? Come to LA, you could be making a killing out here. And so I was like, okay, so I quit uh, graduate school and moved to LA. And then within a year and a half, of temping, being a temporary secretary, <laughs> a horrible one at that. Um, I lucked up on uh, doing some, you know, just relationships with people and meeting people at clubs and hanging out and got called to do some sessions and eventually got a call to, uh, well, it's the story's in the book. You know, yeah. I, I lucked up on doing uh, a barter for a guy who was a, a songwriter who wanted me to do his demo. And I said, well, we're a barter. I need some music of my voice doing my music that I can send out to people so I can get work. If you record my stuff, I'll be happy to sing your demos for free. So, well, not free, but barter. And the person that uh, he was dating at the time had gotten a gig with Anita Baker. And Anita had fired one of the singers, and they had a last-minute audition. And she had, this person had just met me and she says, well, we got to come up with these, this singer at the last minute that would a tour starts in like five days or something like that. It was really, really quick. Wow. Because she just met me. It was just timing. Absolutely. And then uh, I, you know, I rented a car cause I didn't have a car in LA at oh, the time man. and went to the audition and I got the gig. And then once you get, I, I will say once you get started in this business, at least back in the day. Um, it's like a domino effect, you know, yeah. one gig kind of landed another Ran you meet people on the road and wow. one thing just led after another. And I just kept doing it nonstop till I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I love that expression <laughs> lucked up. Yeah. You lucked up. Cause I usually put an F on the front of that. I'm going to change the F to an L. I need to luck the heck up right now. Be amazing. We got too much to talk about. I know. I know. Time. I feel like I have a million questions. What's the first, uh, maybe, maybe the songs will, yeah. will answer all the questions yeah, for us. A million questions. All right, here oh, we go. Song God, here number one. a child Ooh. I used to play among the open fields walk along the swamp 
Rocker and a shocker. Yeah. <laughs> All right, opera singer turned rock star. What is this song? Straight out of Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> Straight out of Berkeley. Uh, it's called Fade into Oblivion. And this was the very, very first rock recording that I ever wrote and performed that I actually felt okay. This is who I am. I actually think I can do this. I found my voice. Uh, Zoo Bluestein was my producer. I met him in Boston, Massachusetts. He's actually here in L.A. now. Nice. Um, and yeah, but that's what that is. <laughs> how, uh, can you say how old you were when this was recorded? Oh, jeez. I don't know. <laughs> you were 12. You Something said, like that. Yeah. Not too long ago. I mean, it wasn't long ago. It was 2004. That's a more, this is relatively recent. I know it took me a while. I mean, I recorded other things, but I wasn't as sure of, of myself as a rock singer at that time. Uh, you you know, when I, when I did it. But this was what defined me as a rock singer, as who I am and what I wanted to as an artist. This song, that mm-hmm. was the transition. That What's, was the transformation. What came first, you knowing you were a rock singer or you figuring out, like, in this business, I need to expand into all genres? Like, when you were a kid, were you a rocker? What, what, how would you describe yourself in, like, middle school or high school? Uh, a geek. And <laughs> <laughs> Good, of course. A artist. geek, a zombie. Uh, I kind of did what I was told, a follower. I mean, you know, I was a... Uh, classically trained all I did was that all of my experience in church growing up was all classically oriented and I always felt that I didn't necessarily fit into anything because of that but when I felt more like myself I think high school when I started dating this guy who was heavily into uh uh Deep Purple and Iron Maiden and all of that. Nice. Black black dude, because I went to a black high school in Memphis, Tennessee. And what was the name of the high school? Uh, Central High School. Central High School? Well, actually, I met him at Father Bertrand. Well, this was Catholic school before uh, the public Can you say school. his name? Uh, I don't know if I should. <laughs> hey, was he your first boyfriend? My, Michael McKinney. Michael Ooh, McKinney. I hope you don't get mad. Get no, no, no. He's a he's rocker. A good guy. Yeah. He was a good he was a good guy and we went to uh Father Bertrand together and he was the only guy that I ever knew who was heavily into like really heavy metal. Yeah. And he played like that. And I and I I thought it was freaking awesome. And he was the one that turned me on to uh this black rock group called Mother's Finest. Uh Joyce Kennedy was the lead singer. Mother's Finest. Mother's Finest. They were like uh, I think they may be noted as the first black rock group They were in the 70s, yeah. in the 70s. And they had a song out called Baby Love. And she was a beautiful woman, high pants, uh, thigh-high boots, kind of remind you of Shaka Khan a little bit, just in persona and attitude and look. But they were rocking. They were, you know, they, yeah. they were rockers. And uh, he turned me on to that music, and all I could think of was, gee, I wish I could make that sound. Yeah. Oh, I would love to make that sound. I don't know if my voice would ever sound like that. Because at that time, I was told, you'll never sing nothing but classical music anyway. What were your parents listening to? Like, when when it was like family clean night, when you guys had to, <laughs> yeah, what, what did they put on? My parents didn't listen to anything. My they would, Music was not really played in our house, other than me practicing my scales on the piano or practicing my classical pieces or opera pieces because I was a member of an opera company at the time as a as a kid wow and the only records that I would actually 
play on the record player before I would go to sleep were jazz records my father had. They weren't played in the house, but they were there. My father was into Dakota Stadden, heavily into Nancy Wilson mm. and Sarah Vaughn, mm-hmm. uh, Earl Grant, uh, and Jimmy Smith, the the jazz organists. Okay. Mm. And I used to play those records and, 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 and dance and do all these <laughs> moves and <laughs> jump off sofa, <laughs> sofas and whatnot in the den, pretending like, you know, I was on somebody's talk show. You were on the stage, and yeah. I was performing before You were jumping on couches me. long before Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But, but there was not a lot of music played in the house. But there was not a lot of music played in the house. Even uh, Maybe when my cousins would come over and babysit, Sp- they would play Smokey Robinson and yeah. the Miracles. Do, do, I remember do, do, that. Do, 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 do. What is that? Isn't that Smokey? I don't know. What People say. Oh, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I try. Uh, n- <laughs> so who was in the house? It was mom and dad and siblings? Mom and dad and sisters, just the four of us. I only have one sibling, a do- uh, sister, no brothers. And what did what did what? mom and dad do for a living? Uh, my mother was a school teacher. Mm-hmm. She was an elementary school teacher. And my father worked for the post office. He was actually the first African-American in the state of Tennessee to be hired in the United States post office. Is he still well, living? No, he passed away in 93 mm. from bone cancer. Mm. But yeah, uh, he was the station manager of a post office in uh, the southern South Memphis area. He was the first African-American? In the whole state of God, Tennessee. It only took 900 years. <laughs> God love America. <laughs> wow, we're so progressive. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Are you older sister, younger? Are I'm you? the oldest, three years older. Oldest, You're oldest the responsible the one. I'm the freaking responsible. I freaking hated it. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was the one. <laughs> what did your parents say when you were like, I'm going to get my degree in music? Well, you know, they were all right with it. I had always done it. I had private lessons since I was 10. I started an opera company when I was like 11 or 12. You started it. Well, they had me be in it. Like oh, you I started. Told you, you joined I was it. a oh, yeah. geek, follower, <laughs> zombie. You're like, I, I want to sing opera. Who's going to play with me? <laughs> whatever they told me. So it was like, oh, you can do this. So you're going to do this. What, the, the guy who was my voice teacher, Robert Kirkham, was the one who started this opera company. It was called the Pastiche Opera Company. What was he, he like, Robert Kirkham? What was he like? He was a... A uh, tall white dude, very flamboyant, with this funny hair that I realized years later was a toupee. <laughs> <laughs> Best in show, my God. Okay, beautiful. But he was quite fabulous. <laughs> Huge influence yeah. to you, though. Uh, he, yeah, he was a good guy, you know. And, and, and in those days, you know, be in the Deep South, being the only child of any color uh-huh. <laughs> around, I was just treated like oh, another singer. Mm-hmm. I wasn't treated like a child, and I wasn't treated like a black person. I was just treated like another singer in the yeah. opera company, full of older white people. It was interesting, wow. and he was the you know he was the one that put me in. That's it was, nice. It was Do a little you re- odd. You that's interesting that you remember co- like cognitively like that. Oh, yeah. That's how you were being treated. Yeah. So that must speak a lot about what it was like growing up in Memphis then. To a certain extent, at that time, I mean, there were there were moments of craziness. There's always, you know, you come in contact with some level of racism. Uh, but for the most part, I never looked for it. And bec- I think you're cor- you're correct in, in in saying that because it never really came to me as being something I needed to look. If I walked in a room, I never assumed that. Oh. I'm the only person here. I'm going to get treated a certain kind of way. And I think a lot of people, especially a lot of people, black people wear that because it happens so often. It happens Uh. all the time. Not that it doesn't happen to me and not that it didn't happen in Memphis. Absolutely, it did. But that was when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I say even to get the voice lessons at 10 was because I sang for my second grade teacher's wedding, which was a white uh, woman, uh, at an Episcopal church in downtown Memphis again, she asked me to sing at her wedding. Of course, me and my mother were the only people of color there. Sure. And second grade, second grade, I was seven. And she knew, so she knew you had a voice, and she's like, "I'm going to ask I my had student." To sing, oh Lord, most holy, 
Wow. And um, you remember the song? Oh, yeah. I yeah. do remember. <laughs> What's the over-under that they're still married? <laughs> I know, right? I wish I could remember it. That's that. amazing. Yeah, but anyway. Wow. It was odd. Yeah. I told you I was a geek. What about that song? <laughs> Fade into Oblivion has these like I don't know what the sound is or a doo doo doo. I don't is that a guitar or is that a bass? A okay, yeah. So that sound sim- sounds similar to the band Seven Dust. I don't know if you're familiar I with them. I love them. Yes. Wow. I've probably seen I'm them. I'm a nineties queen. Yeah. And I love the nineties music. pick this Jeez. well i picked this let's see i was 27 maybe mm-hmm. 28 years old and i had started working with elton john at the time oh my gosh and uh the guitar player is davy johnstone elton's musical director and um i asked i was on the road with him and i wanted this was the beginnings of me writing music, not necessarily confidently saying, oh, I'm a rock singer, as you had asked previously, but just writing music, hoping that maybe that was the direction I was going. And this was a song that I asked Davey to, to play, and we did it, and Guy Babylon was our keyboard player at the time in his recording studio at his house. And then I played it. Uh, at some point for Elton because I was concerned that I was not good enough as songwriter. And I had told him that I had written these songs and I wanted to do this. He said that, well, just, you know, give me your stuff. And I'll let you know. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it. And I'll let you go. And he fell in love with this song. Oh wow! And he said, you should write another verse. I never did write another verse. I said, I don't know if it, I couldn't think of, I, I, was, I don't know, scared, intimidated. He said, you, I couldn't, I just didn't come up with anything. No, but he said that was the song that he liked the most of all the songs that I had written. And that, for me, was the turning point saying, you know, you are a songwriter. If Elton John says you have, you know, some some chops in songwriting, then by all means, don't stop. And this was the song that he took to the labels at the time that I was with him. Wow. So that's why I picked this song. It was amazing how, I don't remember exactly how the lyric reads, but you built up to saying love and and the way that you incorporated, like, why do we have to fight when we can love? love. You know, you like took yeah. it around the corner and down the street, you know, to get <laughs> to get love in there. I think that's amazing when you can take lyrics like that and rather than just rhyme them, fit them into the the melody of the music it's pretty amazing oh wow thank you yeah i mean thank you yeah do you remember where the song came from like why you wrote it where the words came from you know it was so funny i i remember the song coming to me and writing it i don't know where it came from it i want to say it came through me i was doing a, a recording session as you know part of being on tour and session singing and I'm not even sure whose record I was singing on I want to say a guy named Lamel Humes might have been the producer if I'm recalling correctly and I got there early as I generally do and there was a piano there in the recording studio while I was waiting for the session to start and I literally sat down and just started playing the song and that that first verse just came to me and it stayed with me. I didn't record it. You know, we didn't have I didn't have we didn't have phones to record at the time, but it was enough that it stayed in my head that whenever I got back somewhere I could 
sit down and play it again and write down the lyrics. I actually, I might have written down the lyrics actually while I was there in the recording studio. That's but amazing. But that's how that came, and I don't know why. I was just, it was just, you know, piddling around, waiting on the session to start. Hmm. Were you in love at the time? Nah, probably not. Because <laughs> you were on the road. Because that's what I you was did. on the road, and my love life leaves very little to be desired. Mm. Um, it's been it's a rarity that I'm been always in love or dating. That's one of the things that always seems to be a miss in my life. But no, I wasn't. Maybe I wished. Yeah. I think a lot of those love songs come from a wish and a hope. Sure, sure, sure. Of what it would be like. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Or um, that song really is about if you loved me, you know, why can't you just accept me? Like, why? If you only loved me, like I wished and hoped that you would. Maybe this was like about the record companies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like maybe it was more like. Mm, maybe this particular song I know is before I even dealt with labels or tried to even. Right. Give it, give it to a label. Actually, and this was pretty new. Just for you, then. Yeah. yeah. When you were on tour with Elton John, how many buses did he have? Who were you on the <laughs> bus with? You, you know, who was the gang? We, I don't think we ever did a bus tour with Elton John. We flew everywhere. Oh, interesting. Um, the band flew. Uh, business or first class. Uh, the crew bus. There are three different organizations functioning at the same time five semi trucks filled with staging and everything five five Mm -hmm. convoy yeah that that went along with the bus and the crew yeah because they were the ones that had to drive from point a to point b to have everything set up before we got there yep and then we flew yeah without on entourage of people meaning uh Tour manager, assistant manager, baggage handler, and who else flew with us? Sometimes the financial person would sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then Elton had his own entourage of people that flew with him. His hair person. His hair person. (laughs) (laughs) His costume guy. (laughs) You know, uh, his his manager Mm -hmm. and his assistant manager. And, yeah, and valet, yeah. Who were the the other backup singers that you worked with because i'm sure you spent most of your time with them yes we spent our quality time with uh the majority of elton's tour was marlena jeter mortonette jenkins and myself yeah it started out with marlena jeter alex brown and myself but alex left after i want to say the first tour Mm -hmm. and then mortonette came in so out of the six years five of them was the three of marlena mortonette and myself wow yeah costumes what did you guys wear did you have a favorite thing or a least favorite thing lord have mercy on the cross Uh, (laughs) well colleen atwood did our first set of costumes the one who won i think she won the academy for shakespeare in love oh wow she did our costumes we did some some costumes that looked like uh labelle kind of space age outrageous different Uh stuff that was fun very costumey, and later uh, Johnny Versace did Elton's tour for a while. So Johnny had us in the costumes. That's the ones I recall the most because those really- were the ones where my feet hurt the worst. Oh, oh wow! Uh, I think and that took be comfortable. Yeah, and and and, and it, it, it took that experience to lead me to never ever wear high heels ever again for Fair the enough. rest of my life there you go um we had some well, called them like uh s&m kind of costumes he had us in these black leather strappy kind of belty things fitted pants kind of similar to what i have on with these boots that were also strappy and <sighs> really skinny toed and about four inch really thin heel and his show is two and a half hours long. And trust me, we're dancing and moving yeah. nonstop for the most part and singing. And, you know, you try jumping up and down, you know, on high heels for two and a half hours. No, thank, no you. thank you. I nope. mean, I, I, my, our house shoes were at literally at the bottom of the stage. We couldn't even walk to the dressing room. Uh-uh. And people don't really, I think, appreciate the fact that if you're going to be a professional musician on a tour of that magnitude, you're a professional athlete. 
Uh, you have to be. But you don't yeah. just play Sundays. You're playing like, how? what's the turnaround like? Well, it, for people like Elton John or Shaka Khan, I mean, you know, when you sing and you don't do five shows in a row or five days a week like people kind of assume and think. I think we did maybe three shows in a row at the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was always a break in between. So maybe three shows a week. Um, but like Elton, we did five nights at uh, Madison Square Garden. I know w- that was broken up. We mm-hmm. never did five shows in a row because vocally, you know, it doesn't make any sense to wear your voice out. No, that's all a right. lot. That's Not a worth lot it. Yeah. 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 Here we go. Song number three. The you lyrics. You, you wrote yeah. the lyrics to all these songs, yeah. right? I wrote. I lived that one. Oh, talk about I, it. I, I lived. I lived all of it. All right. What's this song called? It's called Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the most recent songs that I wrote, and it's about what I've been going through here recently. As I had said earlier, the book not only talks about how I got started, but it talks about how I got restarted or how I've been working to restart my career after teaching and coming, moving back to LA. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as much as it sounds more like, you know, a, a, a a love song between a, a man and a woman, it really is my conversation with God because what I felt like when things were falling apart and things weren't happening as I had hoped that they would have, that I did feel that I was stuck underwater in sand and that I was going to dr- drown, I was going to die. And I was all right with that because mm-hmm. after a while I just gave up. But something in me and maybe my belief system spiritually just said, God said, I got you. Just let go. Stop trying to plan. Stop trying to fix it. Just float. Just float. Just let go with nowhere to go. Don't try to figure it out. You're free. Well, what I it, like, the what is F it? word. What's Your favorite. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So freaking beautiful. I know I can't say that word, but that's you're beautiful mm-hmm. and perfect as you are. Just let it go and don't try to plan it. Everything's fine. And that's exactly what that song is about. So I play that in my car. I, I just wrote it like last, uh, last well, it hasn't been a year yet. And I'm just, as a matter of fact, I got to put it up on iTunes this week. As my, I just got that um, master from uh, the producer. And, mm-hmm. I, and so luckily, you know, we were able to play it today because I just got it in the mail from him, email from him. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. What is it that Oprah said? Ah. Uh, What's the right thing to do today? Yeah, What's the right kind of like that? Yeah, yeah. that's exactly that to was today. Yeah, that, that was the inspiration. Is meditation kind of new in your life? Uh, More recent than not necessarily. I mean, these kinds of belief systems and things I've been doing since the nineties. Uh, but yeah, because the nineties, because I I joined Agape. Uh, well, it was Church of Religious Science. It's moved on and morphed into something else. Reverend Michael Beckwith is the guy who is over it. 
And uh, that whole scene starts with meditation. Mm -hmm. So that was my first introduction to meditation, period. And then at some point in the 90s, I uh, went on the 10-day Vipassana meditation uh, study up in the middle of nowhere outside of Fresno for 10 days. You can't speak. You can't meet eyes with anyone. And Mm. you wake up at 4 a.m. People come by and ring a bell and you just mindfully keep your eyes down and you go and and you sit and you meditate all day for 10 days from for hours at a time. There is a breakfast. There is a lunch. And and uh well, dinner is just, you know, fruit. But, uh, well, that's actually my dinner nowadays. But anyway, um, yeah, but it was amazing. And that was because I wanted to get further into it. I want to say I did that maybe 96 or something like that. You're still that. part of Agape? I, I go from time to time. And ironically, I literally just ran into Reverend Michael at the M Cafe, one of my favorite spots to eat. <laughs> Where's the M Cafe? Where is it? Mm, uh, M Cafe Macrobiotic, I think it might be what it stands for. It's on Melrose, just west of La Brea. You're right here in beautiful Los Angeles. In beautiful, <laughs> I'll start to say beautiful downtown Los Angeles. You beat me. You beat me to it. <laughs> I love Michael. I love going to Agape. I go from time to time myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah it's beautiful. I, I just want to step back a little bit because I think it's important for one can reach great platitudes in life and one can be, uh, you know, incredibly blessed you know, in their career and passion, but one can also find themselves, as you mentioned, the antithesis of the song that we just listened to. Absolutely. You were hurting. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, uh, can you not talk about stra- what? Not a stranger to it. <laughs> None of us are. I mean, last year was particularly tough for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've dealt with different things. I mean, one of the things that are also mentioned in the book, you know, suicide has been a major part of my life uh maybe fortunately i know uh, it would seem that i should say unfortunately but you know i've come to realize that all these things no matter how horrific are awesome beautiful things to go through because it makes me the person that i am and i think that is you know just part of the journey is realizing that everything's not supposed to be happy and perfect all the time I wish we weren't afraid to teach that to young kids, like starting at a real young age. Like, oh, it's a good day today, but don't be afraid of that bad day that's coming. You know, how do you get through a bad day? Yeah. You know, like Mr. Rogers, God love him. I love what he's doing and what he did and all of that kind of stuff, too. And he was close to it, you know, mm-hmm. we, but we mm-hmm. could go deeper mm-hmm. into the hurt. And he was so close to it. But mm-hmm. I thank you for sharing the fact because being in your company, it's exciting because of the things you've done and the art you're sharing with us. Oh, thank you. But then to take us into, you know, the human side of what's going yeah. on. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> that song was Beautiful by Goddess and Kai. Um, here we go. Song number four. Dave, where did you go? I'm in I'm in Syracuse, New York. Uh, I, I don't know when this song came out, but right now I'm in Syracuse, New York. It's July. It's this date, 1979 to 1982, summertime. It just I don't know when this song came out. What? Oh God, I don't know. I was a lover of this song. I mean, it just has that sort of late 70s, early 80s, yeah. real kind of even. Who is this? This is this is Shaka Khan. This is I thought it was Shaka Khan. No, it's not me. Released yeah. 1977. So, 1977. so that's why I'm there. That's why I'm between 78 and 83. You know, this this on this, the radio all the time. For some reason, the summertime. Nice. You know, just it came to my mind and being in the in the city park. Right, right. You know, right, cars right. parked. Right. You know, maybe a few beers. I don't know. 
<laughs> we got. I was well. I sent it because I was singing. There's a part where I sing, but I think you got the wrong, <laughs> the wrong version. The one that you sent. It I worked for me to, to download it properly. Oh, you sent something else. That's something else. So uh, this is the same song. It's the same song, but it's not the live version not of me singing version. with her. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I couldn't, yeah, I just couldn't. Open so this, it. you why. you sang with her live on this. I, I sang, I, well, I sang with her live on this many, many times. But uh, uh, yeah. on on the particular uh, video that I sent you, um, it's it's been on YouTube a lot, and you can you can find it on YouTube. I think we were doing. VH1 Hard Rock Live, I think was the was where it was from, and um, Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah, VH1 Hard Rock Cafe, Hard Rock Live. It was a t- TV show. Oh, on, sponsored by Hard Rock. Kind I of guess thing. sponsored yeah, by Hard yeah. Rock on VH1, and um, and I was that's why I was listening. I was like, wow, I know the band was good, and the band well, the band was amazing. And I said, wow, that sounds just like the record. That's why I was listening. I said, wait, those are Claire Fisher uh, strings. Uh, the band didn't have Claire Fisher strings on the road, but, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, I was singing with, I was singing background, and there's a part where I sing right along, where I sing right along with her. That's so cool. So that's why I wanted, I, I just, I included that because that was me finding a mix mm-hmm. uh a middle voice, a mix, which is really important in contemporary singing, especially if you're gonna tour and and do sessions for a living. You gotta have your entire voice from the bottom to the middle, to the top. And as a classical singer, I had a head voice, very head voicey, uh-huh. rather okay. than yep. mix, chest, yeah, and yeah, rather than chest. And uh, touring with Shaka. And having to match her sound, and I was singing the top uh, note uh, oh, at, at the time, I had to mix and match her sound as perfectly as possible because she did all her backgrounds herself yeah. on those recordings. Wow. So that's the balance in, as a background backup s- singer is to be able to match the tone and all the nuances of the artist as you're blending with the other two singers. And so that was a that thought that song was a great way to show how that how uh. that works cuz that's what a backup singer does. Okay. When I listened to that recording I was like, ah, I you know, I we had been on the road long enough and mm-hmm. had been, you know, warmed up had been doing it for a while so you know it was just like breathing you didn't think about it it mm. was just on and my voice was just there all the time yeah so that w- it would be the great example a great way to have an example of this is what it's like when you improvise with an artist and you have to be in tune with the timbre and with all the nuances of her voice to match her part you know a third, you know, the third above the whatever note she was singing. Whole different language. Did you and, and Shaka become friends? Because I feel like you <laughs> talked about her a little bit downstairs when we were just introducing ourselves. Yeah, I would like to say that she's a friend. I don't know if she calls me her friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, more than you know, more than more than a more than acquaintances. You know, being on the road with her was special. Maybe because it was just a a woman thing. But she has, I think, she has a special relationship with her background singers. Mm-hmm. Um, she and a few other artists understand the role of a backing vocalist and the need for it, and how it, and how it supports. And she respects the yeah. level of musicianship it takes to be. A backing vocalist. I yeah. think some artists don't really know that or understand. It's one thing that we just sing the parts that you recorded, and we'd get to do it live. But there's more. There's a whole lot more to to the gig than that. And she has a level. She she's a musician, a complete musician. Her musicianship level is incredible, and she really respects that. And so, and along with that 
became a relationship with the singers just as girls being on the road. Now, that was bus tours, bus tours, bus tours, <laughs> pajama party. Yeah. That on, was on, the you fun. slept on the bus, too? Oh, yeah. They were well, like those RV type big yeah, things. Yeah, you yeah. know, with a, with a big screen TV and That's the amazing. beds and hey. living room and the bathroom with a tub. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole I want to live in one. I want to live in one. <laughs> Well, I can afford out She's in L.A. like, you think that, but then you're <laughs> No, I know. I, I practically live in one now. I need space. Studio apartment, yeah. I never could really, I'll say I could never really sleep in those bunks. I always slept in the living room. Mm. Oh, yeah? Because I'm a little claustrophobic. Oh, yeah. yeah. But anyway. But it was fun. But So we developed another level of relationship. Yeah. Being on, we would be on the bus for a month, six weeks. At so a time. We were there, yeah. yeah, at a time. So we, I've been with her you know for personal uh yeah. you know personally just living in close quarters as you say mm-hmm. like that for for months at a when time you, yeah. you get to know people oh, in yeah. a whole different level a whole different <laughs> yeah, way that way um elton we had a good solid re- i feel very good solid relationship because of my the circumstances i would like i said i never had the boyfriend i was always on my own a lot and the other two singers had boyfriends at the time when I was on the road, when mm-hmm. we were all on the road together. So I would end up hanging out with him and his friends a lot of times just by going to the gay bars. Virtue of the fact that he would see, hey, I would go to gay, yeah. Yeah. Did you, did, were, you, were you in Taiwan with, uh, with Elton John? No, were, were you on I that didn't tour? do Taiwan. That was Because I was in before. Taiwan when he came in Taiwan. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't want to get into it, but he lost his temper in Taiwan. And I did too. I was thinking, like, see, I told you, there's nothing messed up about this airport. <laughs> that's my that's my secret weapon name drop. Because when I, it was so funny, I was in Taipei when Elton came into Taipei, and we were both in in the city together. And then the newspaper, Elton John got upset because the the you know, the, the airport did something wrong and sent him the wrong way. And, and I had the same experience. Anyway, I digress. It's all about me. It's all about me. That's Hollywood so secret weapon over here. I love it. Wow. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Song number five. She's laughing. <laughs> Is that you? Damn, girl. Why are you laughing? Is it embarrassing? It was a me from I was 18. <laughs> wow, things survive online. Feel the pressure being you know, being at the forefront at Howard. I mean, that's like one of those universities where you got to be great, great, great. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. You didn't? No, oh, okay. I didn't. I tell you, I was a geek, zombie follower. I just did what I was. <laughs> I had just gotten to Howard, and uh, I think I was a freshman, so I might have been seventeen actually. I I just gotten there, and one of my uh, friends, Carol Dashio, was a part of the Howard University Jazz Ensemble, and he wrote this song, and he asked if I would sing it. And I was like, great, I get to sing something that's not classical. I had never sung anything that wasn't classical in my life. Wow. I never, I, I, don't, I don't know gospel. I, didn't, I wasn't raised in a gospel church. I didn't know how to really ad-lib. I didn't have a mix I just had a heady classical voice, but I really wanted to learn. But I have, have been exposed to jazz, you know, via my father with the Nancy Wilson, Sarah Vaughn thing. And I had always practiced it. And I thought, well, that's an easy transition from classical into jazz. I can vocally kind of do that, you know, with some level of integrity. So I started mimicking Nancy Wilson and Sarah Vaughn as much as I possibly could. And that landed me the opportunity to sing this for the jazz ensemble. And uh, that's how that recording 
came about, whether I thought it was good or not. I, don't know. I just did the best I could and just closed my eyes, and I didn't ask anybody, oh, how was it? But it ended up being uh, submitted to Downbeat Magazine, uh, mm. and it was the I, I won the wow. award for jazz, uh, new jazz vocalist, Downbeat Magazine Jazz Vocalist Award. That's great. And uh, when I was at Howard University in Washington, D.C., WHUR, the radio station there, would play this on the radio. So I had my one and only opportunity that uh-huh. I actually had a song on the radio that wow. I would be, you know, at school, and people like, that's you on the radio. And that, you know, so that's why I brought I brought that song. Oh my gosh! So, yeah, that was my experience. Your range is is absolutely incredible, and I I really don't want to you know put you on the spot and make you feel embarrassed, but you you it's just amazing. Like it's just really a beautiful gift that you get to share with all of us. Oh, thank you. Opera, you were on stage doing operas, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So you've got this. Have you ever done musical theater or anything like that? Does that do you think you could <laughs> act as well, or do Chicago, or do? West Side Story or something like that? Is that something you've done Um, or would like to do? Well, okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I hate musical theater. I hate musical theater. I I don't know why. I just think when they they break in a song, that drives me So that's not an area of interest. I mean, I have done it, but no, that is not an area of interest at all. Fair enough. But I have done acting. I mean, I acted in in high school. I used to be a a part of the, the Thespian League and mm-hmm, all those different mm-hmm. things. And I used to do solo uh, monologue pieces and duet pieces, and I would uh, compete. And I won first place mm-hmm. all the time. I won first place in the state <laughs> sure. of Tennessee acting dramatic pieces. Mm-hmm. I never tried comedy. I don't know if I have the the knack for that, but definitely dramatic pieces. And that is something that I always thought that I would go back to. Well, it just I, so happened I, bring I this got up. a degree and I mean, I got a scholarship to sing at Howard. That's how I ended up in the yeah. music department versus See, the I, theater I, department. I, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all because I don't know if you guys are aware of this and maybe our listeners may or may not be, but on Tuesday, I'm going to win the mega. So I got the oh. numbers, yeah, and I'm gonna have probably about 360 million. <laughs> I would like to commission you if you got the time to write the next rock opera. I mean, like Tommy from the Who and stuff like so. We'll talk so cool. once I cash the check. I don't because, know that it occur. Like, does it occur to you that these things are cool? Like, you won first place all the time for those acting things. You got a scholarship. You went on tour with Elton John. Your friends. With- I mean, does it ever occur to you that these are extraordinary feats and? from a very young age that this is a very cool life that you lead it's american royalty yeah. but you're so down to earth and yeah. you know it is america you're part of the court yeah. you know you're part of the court the the american royalty is entertainment it's amazing you just I say wish. it like it's so like <laughs> what do you like, wish well, whatever i won first place what okay. do you, I, wish? you know I said, you know, I it would take some therapy to try to figure that one out because I don't really know, and I haven't had much therapy. I could probably use some because I really don't really understand. It just, it didn't. I was not praised in that way about it. You know, my hmm. parents didn't say, "Oh, you're in this and that." I they didn't make a deal about it like you had asked me earlier. You know how they felt about me. Uh, majoring in music um they automatically allowed me to do so it was never a question of you really need to do this you need to you need a backup plan you should become but yeah let me be clear because that is the the book that is the the story is that they never supported me doing music Mm. i gotta read this book i know they never supported me doing this they thought that they were prepping prepping me to be the minister of music at my church. Mm. I w- was finally told because I constantly got the, yeah, yeah, you were on the road with Anita, but now you ain't got a job and now you ain't got no money. So oh. now what are you gonna do? You need to go. Why don't you go to the post office and get a job? Oh, uh, what I'm, I I I got that even a couple of years ago when no. I quit teaching at Berkeley at my age. 
you know, my yeah. mother still said, was, you know, when are you going, you need, why don't you wait tables? Or what are you going to do? See, Literally. See, that's, yeah. And so I never got any support. Still. Still to this day about my, yeah. even with the, even after having been on, on the road with these people, I never got the support that, yes, just stay with it. You should do, never, ever. Well, I'm going to say it. Folks. Stay with it. <laughs> your, your I'm glad you did. Is that is, that yeah. is the most, your selection of music. And, and as this show continues to evolve, why tune shuffle? You know, you do represent a nice uh, addition to a direction that we've not gone in before where the artist and the artist's music has been highlighted in a way that has been in sync with what Y-Tunes is. And it's about huh. why your music, why deeper down, not just the technical aspects of mm. how it was, and, but mm. about you personally. And, and mm. I, I'm sure our, our, our listeners are going to appreciate it. I certainly appreciate it. Yeah, very cool. Wow, wow. Before we let you go, we like to kind of switch things up a little bit. I'm going to let David take over for a game that we like to call Band Name or Bar Name. That's right. This is a Y-Tunes exclusive <laughs> original game show. It's a trivia show. It's an international, local, and uh, musically oriented. Yeah. Well, you're going to be playing a game today. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, and, and uh, your job, along uh, with uh, our host, Maggie Mayfield, is to decide the answer to this question that we ask every week. Am I going to tell you the name of a bar or the name of a band? In fact, I'm going to give you two names. One will be the name of a bar, and the other will be the name of a band that could play in this bar. <laughs> we travel all over the world. This last week, we happen to wind up in Chicago, Illinois. And we're traveling around Chicago, Illinois. If the three of us were together, I'd say, Hey, do you guys want to go to The Sea and Cake? Grab some food and check out Murphy's Bleachers. <laughs> what? Or do you want to go to Murphy's Bleachers, grab some food, and listen to the band The Sea and the Cake? So imagine you've been to Chicago, I'm sure. <laughs> I sure have. And I go, so what if we're walking around Chicago, which would be the name of the band in Chicago, based out of Chicago, or the name of the bar? So we could the bar could be Murphy's Bleachers or it could be the Sea and Cake. Or vice versa. The band could be Murphy's Bleachers. I, think, I know. I don't know either. I think that the bar is Murphy's Bleachers and the band is the C and Cake. Because I could see like cake like a like a booty. That's what I thought too. Oh, like, that's I thought like see, like cake by the ocean. Like maybe that song was inspired by that place. <laughs> like that's what yeah, I yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that your final answer? That yeah. is my final okay, answer. Well, if uh, if in fact we oh. find ourselves at 3655 North Sheffield Avenue, just around the corner from Wrigley Field in Chicago, Murphy's Bleachers ah, is the bar, nice. pub, gastro restaurant ah, built in 1930. <laughs> it yeah, is still one yeah. of the greatest, wow. most loved bars, especially in the summertime, especially when it comes to uh, baseball. And, of course, <laughs> Murphy's Bleachers speaks to the bleachers at Wrigley Field. On the other hand, the band The Sea and Cake, uh, <laughs> there you can hear them on uh, the Thrill Jockey label. Uh, it's Sam Precop, John McIntyre, and Archer Pruitt. It's a power trio. They play indie, rock, jazz, and post-rock. Uh, they're amazing. If you're in the Chicago area or if you're on iTunes, you can check out The Sea and the Cake. And we thank both Murphy's Bleachers and The Sea and the Cake for unwittingly being a part of our trivia game show, Band Name wow, or Bar Name. You are cool. a winner. Yay. Yes, you guys are a winner. That's now, your job, What do I get? What do I get? Get you, to pick the next place we're going to go for Band oh. Name or Bar <laughs> Name next week. Where are we? You've been around the world. You've been around the world. and I, 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 What? Where, so where are we going to go next week for this uh, game show? You can take us city, anywhere, anywhere in the world. Just a city. Uh, Hawaii. Oahu. Oahu. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I've never been to Hawaii. I've been around the world. Now, yeah, Do you yeah, know I have Hawaii. never been to Hawaii. I've only been to the airport. We'll write the what? rock opera on the cruise we take over there. I'll pay for the cruise. I'll uh, pay for your time. Y'all heard that, okay. right? Yeah. I'm, right? I'm going to win it. You to it. I'm going to win it. I hope I so. I am holding you to Tuesday. that. Tuesday. Right? Got to be in it to win it. I mm. took my mom to Hawaii last year. <gasps> oh, and the whole nice. time, I know, the whole time she was like, this is just like California, but mm. rainy. <laughs> 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 I was like, way to be appreciative, mom. Oh, my God. <laughs>
All right, Cadison, I would love to, thinking very hard, we would love to know the story of your very first concert experience. Ooh. Do you remember the first concert you ever attended? The uh, uh, That I attended? Oh, yeah. yeah. Ever, ever. What was it? It was the Jackson 5. Where in the heck did you get to see? In Memphis, probably, and God rest Joe Jackson's soul. Just lost My parents took me to see the Jackson 5. With your sister? With my sister. The emotions and the Commodores. Commodores? With Lionel Richie opened up for the Jackson 5. Oh, wow. The uh, emotions were first. The Commodores were second, and then the Jackson Five were headlining. Oh, that is so cool. Geez. How oh. do you? You must have been pretty oh, young. I was really young. I don't even remember. Do you oh, like the song? God. Did you like the song? Oh, heck yeah! The cartoon, yeah. the song. I knew songs. the car- I know all. Oh, I was in God. love with Jermaine. I actually Jermaine. got <laughs> my cassette cassette tape, and I did a cassette tape letter mm-hmm. that I mailed to Jermaine. Oh talking my. About, I, on my little cassette tape, I made a a recording, a love letter to Jermaine Jackson, out and sent it. Cause what was that? Tiger Beat, one of those. Tiger magazines. Beat, Team Beat, I, Tiger team, Beat. One of those. Mm-hmm. I, I found some address, some kind of which way where, and mm-hmm. I sent a cassette tape sure. to Jermaine. I don't know if he ever got it. I'm sure he did. <laughs> That's so uh, great. You can take your union card and go find him now. I Jeez. <laughs> it's like, what? He should send you a tape I now. Know. Jeez. Like, you want to sing together still? Ooh. They say, don't meet your heroes, though. They say, don't, don't meet your heroes. Don't? Yeah. You've never Why? heard that? Oh, because it's always a letdown. You mean I can't meet Brad Pitt? Oh, no. I mean, you can meet him, but I just don't know that he'll be everything you... Oh, would that you... be a letdown? No. He's, he's, <laughs> I, I, was on a, I was on a set with him Dang. a year ago. He's He, he wouldn't be a letdown. Not, no. Not. He was very nice. Me? I don't know him that way. He's, he's my age, but that's about where it Dang. began and ended. I think I need to meet him one time. Yeah, I well, Just give me one chance. He seems like a sweet man. Yeah. Uh, Brad, if you're out there, please. <laughs> he listens, <laughs> I'm Cattison sure. Cattis and Kyle. K-U-D-I-S-A. Cadison, what, what was the last show that you went to? The last concert you attended, oh, not performed in. Yeah, you know I don't get to those very often. Isn't that something? Oh my god! Do you like going to them though, even though you perform so much? I will honestly say I'm I'm not one for going to shows. It's like going to work. Yeah, it is like going to work, and sometimes my ears need a rest. That's the last thing I want to do. Oh, I'll sure. go to a movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any day or night, but I say that about comedy. Like, I don't really? want to go to. A, no, I don't want to go to. A, mm. That was the word when I was dating a lot. Guys would be like, "Oh, you're into comedy. Let's go to a show." I'm like, "No, that's the worst. That's the last thing. The <laughs> last thing I want to do." <laughs> Although I say, Dundre uh, Whitfield, uh, who uh, is on the television show Queen Sugar, mm-hmm. he was holding a comedy night in North Hollywood at one point. I used to go there regularly. Oh, that's cool. It was hilarious. Well, thank you for supporting live comedy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know what. Sh- oh gosh, the only thing I can remember was so far back, and I know I've seen once, maybe only the shows like when we were on the road. Uh, we would like Erica Badu was at the Arizona Jazz Festival a couple of years ago when I was singing background with Shock, and we watched that that show. Yeah, uh, but. The one that I went to was uh, Huba Stank. Oh, wow. And, oh, what's the name of the, oh, why is the group escaping me? Yeah. Huba Stank opened, opened, opened up, opened up for them at the forum. Mm-hmm. Wherever you go, I'll be waiting. Whatever tomorrow brings, I'll be there. Incubus. Incubus. You're going to make me cuss. How do you remember that name, though? I mean, you are going to make me cuss on this radio. Incubus. (laughs) That was a hella great Mm -hmm. show. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. That was amazing. Incredible. Yeah. That was, yeah. Okay. Okay. Jeez, I can't believe my brain had a brain freeze. We got it. All right, Cadison, as we close the show, this is your moment to shine. Anything that you want to promote? How do we keep up with you? Tag your any of your social medias if we want to follow and see where you perform. Buy the book. Yeah. 
Buy the book, buy the book, buy the book, buy the book, buy the book. Memoirs. Kettison, memoirs of a backup diva. Memoirs. I mean, I'm on all the social I'll put the link in the blog, too. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, ArchwayPublishing.com. They are the publishers. Um, KettisonKai.com, Facebook, Instagram. I, I'm on all of the social media, okay. all of the above, okay. please. And I do return messages. If you message me through Facebook, I will write back. See, down to earth. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time this morning. Oh, Goddess thank this you. This has been that really fun. fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Y-Tunes Shuffle.